tomorrow I gotta meet with Adamar Tell me what you want What's going on everybody, it's your boy Jordan And this is Desmond And welcome to episode 129 of Two Black Nerds yeah. That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds We appreciate that love, y'all And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now now at twoblacknerds.com. Go check out our Nerds of Thunder collection inspired by Thor Love and Thunder. We got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodie stickers, mugs, and tote bags. So go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we'll be discussing this year's Emmy Award nominations that have recently been unveiled. Plus, there's a bunch of new trailers for upcoming fall movies that we'll share our thoughts on, including Day Shift and The Woman King. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this podcast with a review and recap of the season three finale of The Boys which of course we've been doing each and every week here on Two Black Nerds, and the season three finale actually just premiered this past week on Amazon Prime Video. The episode was entitled The Instant White Hot Wild. Of course, this is a show that we've been covering and have been ranting and raving about. I know we both have loved this season in particular, especially with the storylines and what they've done with specific characters, but now it's all come to a conclusion. We've now just finished off season three. We do know that a season four will be coming. I believe they're going to start filming that this upcoming fall. They're currently writing that out right now so hopefully the long wait between season two and season three won't be the case this time around and we'll probably get season four quicker but before we get way ahead of ourselves there and talking about season four let's stick to season three man i'm gonna kick it over to you before we do spoilers what were your general impressions about the season three finale of the boys man just again still very 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 proud of what the boys is able to accomplish as being one of the most consistent shows i've ever watched man it really has created in a lot of ways I think a, a new standard for me personally when it comes to TV shows because a lot of times there, there's just so many shows that I still love but there are episodes in between it's like eh they're just an okay episode but here something about the boys and this consistency man has surpassed so much of what I've seen recently um, and, and, and it's just impressive man being able to do that and coming in here into this finale man we had so many good episodes where we talked constantly every week about how could this next episode possibly top this one and top this one and top this one and they just kept doing it over and over and over man and, and, and here in this finale i can't necessarily say that it topped the last couple episodes or anything but i think it's right on par with a lot of those uh the the, the other episodes that we enjoyed um early in the season man i had an amazing time one of the most impressive things about finales and a lot of the greatest tv shows used to do this was to be able to have an episode that feels like a conclusion but also ramps up the anticipation for the next season that's really what what you're supposed to do and what it's made for in terms of of, of of a season finale and i think this this quite aptly did that i think it did a good job of of definitely um performing those things man it gave us satisfying action satisfying uh, uh it opened new doors as, as well as closed a lot of doors i think that were needed to um even man it's if i had to nitpick anything it would be the 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 beginning of the episode felt a little rushed to me i think like there was a lot happening in like the first 15 minutes and i was like dang y'all didn't have to do that that fast maybe like an extra 10 minutes for the episode would have been beneficial i've even seen other people say they would have liked another episode or two which 
I mean, I get for sure, but I don't think I needed that either. Sometimes I like when things are, are rushed. I think I'm, I'm, I land in the middle a little bit where I would have liked another 10 to 15 minutes, I think, a little bit. But again, this is the smallest nitpick in the world. I absolutely thought this was a tremendous episode. Um, and all parties involved, man, good job. There's still good acting, good good writing, again, uh, that we've been uh, praising this entire time. And, man, I'm just really looking forward to season four because now another impressive thing about this entire season is that it feels like the next season is ramping up to be even bigger than what this season was it's like a lot of shows aren't necessarily the best at doing that either you think the next season is going to be maybe you feel like the it's left and the next season is going to be on par with the season you just watched or you know i don't know sometimes you feel like the next season there's no way it can be as good but i'm like no nah, the 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 chess pieces that are in play right now in this in this TV show, man. Even it makes season four look like it could be even wilder than the things we got this season. So again, I'm just proud overall, and it's a very I think satisfying conclusion to a satisfying season for me. I think that the show at this point now is is nearly unstoppable. You talked about some of that consistency, which it's been incredibly consistent for its its entire run, three seasons now, with a total of what are we talking about, 24 episodes, and I think mm-hmm. every single episode has provided me something that has been meaningful or thought-provoking or just absolutely jaw-dropping and shocking, which we know that this show has an incredible balancing act of not only being gory and gruesome and gratuitous, but it's also extremely self-aware and thoughtful about its themes and resonant to what's going on today. And I think the fact that you have a series like this, The Boys, that can be so transgressive while still at the same time giving you something that's worthwhile of spending time with these characters, that's that's worthwhile of getting to know these people even more and examine the way that they act and interact with each other. You know, there's never a dull moment in this series for me personally, and mm-hmm. I find every single character to be interesting, no matter how big or small their roles are. And I think the fact that this absolutely stuck the landing for me solidify what I was sort of thinking about it at the, at the top of the season when we got those first three episodes, that this is absolutely far and away the best season of the series thus far, and I say that with no hesitation. Certainly yeah. not to say that the other, season, other two seasons aren't great, because they are, but this one just takes it to another level. And now that they have stuck the landing on this show, and now that it has delivered something that is so satisfactory for me and it has me even more excited for the future, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, that I think that this is the best superhero television series we've ever seen i don't know Mm -hmm. what else could really be stood next to it i don't know what can compare i think at one point in time daredevil was certainly in that conversation Mm -hmm. the netflix daredevil Mm -hmm. series which was incredible for all three of its seasons there's obviously been other things that have had much longer runs we've had arrow and the flash is still on and smallville was on for a long time but i i I don't think that those series hold a candle to this one because they had a ton of episodes you know they were putting out 22 23 episodes a year so when you have such a large output, your quality just can't always maintain a certain level of consistency. And while I would love to have like a 16 episode season of the boys, I do think that <laughs> them restricting themselves and having some discipline to keep it at eight is mm-hmm. beneficial. You know, maybe 10 would be something to explore in the future. Maybe if they get a final season where they say like, okay, we're going to expand it just a little bit and do 10 or 12, mm-hmm. I'd be on board with that. But I think the discipline that they have here to keep it at eight and make all of these episode episodes meaningful. And we can't look at any single one and say that one we didn't need. That one was less effective than the one prior, right? We, yeah. we, we can't say that mm-hmm. every single time that they release something, you needed to see it to, to get the next steps and the next pieces of the story in play. And Overall, this show has been extremely violent. It's hyper-violent, but 
I think instead of just always going for the gratuitous and the shocking elements that we've seen in the past, there's actually real emotional stakes here. And Mm -hmm. it's matured into something that I couldn't have even anticipated when this series first premiered three years ago. I think you have a lot of different themes at play here. You see characters who are atoning for certain actions and they're reckoning with their past sins or the sins of their fathers there's new levels of compassion and empathy that people have to develop and and start start to really hold themselves accountable for and and also like our three centerpiece characters in this season in particular soldier boy butcher and homelander i mean they're so intrinsically connected by what they were trying to do with the story here that i'm just like again blown away by how effective this this final episode was in furthering their individual stories, but also the story of those three together. And, um, you know, it didn't necessarily reach the heights as the previous two episodes, but that doesn't mm-hmm. make it bad by any means. It's still an incredible episode, and I think a worthwhile episode in the canon of this series. And, uh, yeah, I'm overall just... I'm over the moon about it. I'm I'm just yeah. so happy that that they did what they needed to do here and that it worked all successfully for me with a few small gripes here and there, but by and large this was just this was a triumph in in almost every sense of the word. So, let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about this episode in full detail and settle into everything that went down this past week on the finale. So, if you've not seen Season 3, Episode 8 of The Boys, this is your official spoiler warning. We're going to spoil this episode and, of course, everything that preceded it prior to this week. And I actually want to start off with probably the most shocking development of what happened in this episode. And that's with Black Noir, because we spent a lot of time last week talking about his character. There were some very unexpected things that the creators did in terms of painting his backstory and providing us that information. Of course, last week we saw him go to that Buster Beavers restaurant And he was sort of having a self-therapy session and he was utilizing his imagination to really reckon with his past and think about all the trauma that he's experienced, in particular from Soldier Boy, who we saw was extremely abusive and aggressive towards Black Noir. And I think a lot of us expected that there would be some sort of showdown or some sort of revenge that Black Noir would be able to have against Soldier Boy for everything that he cost him in, in, in the past, you know, sort of encounters that they had. And what ended up happening, I could not have seen coming, and I did not predict, and a lot of that is due to the fact that the character in the comics has been painted very differently than what we've seen mm-hmm. in the show. And also, I just I just didn't expect what actually ended up happening, but we see Black Noir return to Vaught, right, after leaving them so abruptly a couple of episodes ago. Homelander was very happy to see him, because he's obviously nervous about the incoming conflict, and then finds out that Black Noir never told him about Soldier Boy being his father. Black Noir knew this entire time and did not reveal that information to Homelander. And because of that, Homelander, furious over that fact, kills Black Noir, completely punches a hole through his through his abdomen and, and kills mm-hmm. him. And his intestines fall to the ground. It's a very, very gruesome and shocking death for this character. But one, I think, in, in the in the context of where this story is gone, I think it actually makes sense, especially considering Homelander and who he is. But what mm-hmm. did you think about that moment? What do you think about Black Noir and just sort of how they resolved his story up until this point and how they handled that particular scene between those two? Yeah, man, it's interesting because the it's it's Homelander is such a complicated character, which is, of course, one of the things that I think makes this show so great. Of course, we know him as a villain who to a lot of the world looks like a hero but there's so many again just deep and nuanced things about his character where when it comes to black noir man this is the i think the uh, we, we talked about it before but he's the one character in the show that he thought would always be by his side always tell him the truth never lie to him never 
I don't know, just never faltered at the side of Homelander. And so I I I see why Homelander is so upset, but at the same time, I don't know. It's it's like, dang, dude, you decided to kill the boy? Like, dang. You, I mean, it, it makes it, he's such a you cross me, you die person that in my mind I I wish that Black Noir, knowing who Homelander is, created some barriers for himself, some protection for himself in terms of knowing this would happen. I feel like Black Noir probably knows Homelander more than anyone, right? Black Noir is the oldest on the seven in terms of age. And I feel like he just should have had some kind of, I don't know, feeling that the, the that Homelander could did this uh, could do this to him at any point in time. And so when it happens, it's like, damn, I can't be super surprised. But also, like, I feel like Black Noir acted out of fear so much that he forgot to protect himself. And I hate that, I think, about about this scene. It's like, it hurt me a little bit. I was like, man, come on, Noir, you should have known better. And I think the what makes it even harder is that what at what point could Noir have ever told Homelander the truth about knowing about Soldier Boy without Homelander wanting to hurt him? If 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 Noir told told this to him before he learned from other people, would he still been okay? You know, especially knowing he's the reason that he his father got locked up in the first place. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm just trying to figure out a rationale. It feels like it it was inevitable at the end of the day that this was going to happen for for Black Noir, and it it kind of sucks because when he did go to Vi, he didn't know that Soldier Boy knew who that who his father was, and I think that's an, an important thing to note. Like. Noir, or as soon as Homelander goes, um, did you know about this? Noir goes, oh my goodness, this dude knows what's going on. And I I just, I know the fear in that moment, he felt like Soldier Boy all over. He was like, the history is quite literally repeating itself right now. The difference is Soldier Boy just whooped his ass. Homelander didn't even let him live. And so it, it's just crazy how, again, how history is repeating itself here and how these these genetics are, are mirroring each other between Soldier Boy and Homelander, man. But I have to feel bad for for Black Noir at the end of the day, man. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad story, to say the least, because in, in some ways, of course, he got his father locked up. He didn't tell you that was his dad. But also... You didn't do nothing, bro. All you've been doing is getting abused <laughs> this entire time. You know what I'm saying? So it just sucks. That's all. It just sucks. I mean, if we're being honest about it, too, it's not his business to tell. It's like just kind of like a a cold thing. Like, that's not really my place to be telling you that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, he was responsible for Soldier Boy being kidnapped by the Russians. But I, as you said, what opportunity would have existed for him to say something like that? And would it have changed the outcome? Probably not, right. because we know how impulsive homelander is when he reacts that way when he gets angry he he very much is aggressive and is willing to kill people if they cross him in any particular instance shall i present a counterpoint though because i thought about it maybe from a different perspective mm-hmm. i think everything you said is very well said though i was wondering that in returning to vault knowing that homelander was going to still be there knowing that he also sort of left homelander high and dry in his biggest moment of need mm-hmm. Of course, he couldn't have predicted that Homelander knew that information. I don't think he knew that going into the situation and returning right. to Vault. But I'm wondering in that conversation when they're going back and forth about what to do with Soldier Boy, whether or not they need to kill him. At the point that Homelander asks him, you know, did you know that he was my father? Did you know I had a father this entire time? We can't ever see Black Noir's face. We can only assume what might have mm-hmm. been going on behind the mask. Homelander says, like, I can see you right now. And I wonder that I, I wonder if 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 
maybe, maybe Black Noir gave him that information knowing that Homelander would retaliate in that particular way. And I only say that because mm. I think that Black Noir, on the surface, it looked like he wanted revenge, of course, against Soldier Boy, but he also looked very broken. You know, every time mm -hmm. we saw him reflecting yeah. on what happened with Soldier Boy in the past and he was sitting there, like, you couldn't see his face again, but the body language sort of told me a lot that this guy was really beat down by this person mm -hmm. and was really overwhelmed by the presence of him returning. So much so that he immediately left Vault though he was always the guy to be the stalwart and always present, cut his tracking chip out of himself, goes and be, you know, he goes into almost hiding for, for, for an entire episode to just like self-reflect on what this might mean for him. And you can mm. just tell this guy is like really sad about this stuff and it affects him tremendously because Soldier Boy physically changed him permanently, you know, destroyed his entire appearance. And so a part of me wonders if he went back and, in that moment sort of knew this Homelander would retaliate in a specific way and maybe would put him out of his misery to a certain mm -hmm. extent. Like maybe this is like a way for me to get out so that I don't have to deal with this pain anymore. It wow. sounds, it sounds, you know, really dark when I put it that way. I, I understand mm -hmm. what, what the implication is, but again, I think that there are certainly multiple ways to interpret it. I like everything you said for sure. Cause there is some parallels there between how soldier boy treated him versus how Homelander treated him. But it's a fascinating thing, I think, to just think about because Black Noir is that faceless character where we can't really see the expression, so we don't really know. Right. We can only assume mm -hmm. based off of what they've given us. But ultimately, it's a tragic end for him. Uh, I think I saw a lot of people that were really upset that he did not get that revenge and that retribution against Soldier Boy, which I get. You know, they set up a lot of that last episode, and it appeared as if they would pay that off in some way. But I, I wonder, you know, if he went up against Soldier Boy, would the outcome have been any different? Soldier Boy probably mm -hmm. would have killed him because he's more powerful yeah. now. And Black mm -hmm. Noir might have known that. You know, he might have known, like, mm -hmm. if I fight this guy, he's probably going to kill me. So should I get killed by the guy who traumatized me for my entire life? Or should maybe I go to somebody that I actually kind of care about and mm -hmm. he's going to find out that I didn't tell him certain information, but I'd rather him put me out of my misery instead of this other person that I absolutely loathe and hate. I don't know. Just throwing that out mm -hmm. there. But I think it's an interesting thing to to consider with his with his character and his arc and where he's been yeah man that's a a great point i, I also like how kind of the the creatures um you know the the animated creatures kind of serve as his emotions in certain times too like when he's on his way back in the vault you can see the little you know beaver thing <laughs> walking off fast like and excited to go address homelander back in vault you know what i mean and i wonder now that you say that if it's more so um not Again, it sounds hella dark, but excitement to end things, you know, excitement to be at peace Yeah, in some way, you know, he's like, okay, this is the first time I've really confronted anything. Black Noir has always been the guy in the back, not saying anything. He goes with what either whatever Vault and Soldier Boy is doing, but really it's like in my mind, the first time in the show where it's like, I'm going to go talk about something with somebody and it could be the end of me and that's okay. And if it's not, maybe we're actually going to go do something also to create that peace. And so I think he was at peace walking in there again, just as excited as those creatures were, were walking right beside him. So I, I love the points you made for sure. Yeah. I, I love that, that thought, you know, it, it, it does appear to be a tragic ending, but it's a tragic character on, on, you know, on pretty much every level. When you look at his history, we should also note that Eric Kripke, the showrunner has made it very painfully obvious that the actor who portrayed Black Noir in the 80s when we saw those flashbacks is not the same actor as the guy who actually portrays Black Noir in present day on mm. the show. Two different people. 
Not saying that Black Noir is going to come back. He appears very much dead to me. I think that that is a wrapped up story. But this is obviously a superhero series. We know comic books bring back characters all the time from death. I'm just going to put that out there that if they were to ever circle back to the Black Noir character, they kind of have an out for themselves. But we'll have to wait and see. Let's talk about A-Train, The Deep, and Ashley, who were you know, sort of on the fringes of Vault and The Seven at this point. Because pretty much right after Homelander kills Noir... He goes and addresses these people. And we know that yeah. these three in particular have been dealing with extremely problematic things on a variety of levels, whether it's personal stuff, whether it's stuff about their communities, whether it's stuff within the company. But they're also the closest allies of Homelander, I guess, at this point. But Homelander has pretty much decided to just isolate himself from the rest of the world, from the rest of the company. He doesn't really see anybody on his team. And he basically utilizes A-Train, The Deep, and Ashley to make a point and to make an example of them. So much so that he practically embarrasses all three of them in very different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think makes, makes makes each of them sort of reach their lowest point. He instructs The Deep to go kill the VP nomination, which we now know that that was the exchange that him and Victoria Newman made so that right. she can become the new VP candidate. He basically just scathingly you know addresses a train and everything that he's done and he says a lot of different things about how he's acted and how he killed one of his own kind and Mm -hmm. i also love the subtlety of that moment because when he says that a train looks over at black noir's mask like you just killed one of your own kind exactly literally just did it right now how hypocritical of you but we know that a train Mm -hmm. ashley and the deep are too afraid to do anything about it right they're they're too scared i think to address homelander because they know how powerful he is and then ultimately you know ashley making her pull her wig off, um, exposing this really bad condition that she has where she pulls out her own hair. And we actually see like, Mm -hmm. this is something she's been dealing with for quite a while, so much so that she almost has no hair on her head. So a really embarrassing moment for her. What did you think about seeing all of this go down? Like seeing these three characters in particular who we've been following and they've been doing a lot of crazy weird stuff. They also seem like the three who were the most problematic from a social perspective on this show. Uh, And they've also had to like fight for approval from various sides of the vault machine, especially Homelander at the front of it. Uh, what did you think in particular about these three and how, how Homelander addressed them after killing Black Noir? Man, that moment is so scary, I think. Um, one, because these are the these are the three people who throughout the show has been constantly craving Homelander's attention, constantly. And in this moment, you know, it's like, this is the we understand this is the guy you're afraid of, but it's like their weaknesses come to the front instantly here because they're seeking his approval. Right. When it comes to a train, I think the this this part of the 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 episode, I think, is so interesting because, like you just said, he said he just killed his own kind. And then he looks at a train or, or a train looks at Black Noir's helmet. It's like, what the hell is going on? And there's a weird parallel I've always drawn between A-Train and Black Noir. Black Noir is being, well, the black guy who doesn't say anything, who works for a white capitalist (laughs) company. And A-Train, who probably says far too much sometimes, (laughs) or does far too much sometimes. And it's it's like, damn if you do, if you're A-Train, and damn if you don't, if you're Black Noir. In this moment, it's kind of what it feels like. And so it's like, damn, bro, like, he... And A-Train is learning in real time. And so he's like, again, finally starting to see, I think, the the parallels of of what's happening in his own life and what Homelander has going on. And now he's been seeking the, the approval of Homelander this entire time when he's worse than Blue Hawk. 
right? He Blue Hawk killed or, or injured his brother, who is a black man. Homelander just killed a soup who was a black man right in front of his face. And so it, it, it allows A-Train, again, he, it breaks him down, I think, in that moment more than we technically see. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot going through his head right there. But, man, it is it is dark for him, dude. The Deep is, man, I don't know where. It, what's also interesting about this is I'm not even sure A-Train is on the team anymore, like, by the end of this episode, right, after he talks to his brother. So it's like, is, is this all of Vought right now? This room? Is this room Vought? For, for real, for real? It's literally Homelander, Ashley. <laughs> for it's like is is this it dude it's it's like really sad for really all parties involved and i'm surprised homelander doesn't take more offense to that because the one guy who was on his side he just killed for the most part you know what i'm saying and so it, it, it's really crazy and it's i don't know man ashley she's in such a pickle because she's the one that's the most powerless out of all these people and so what what is she supposed to do of course she we've known she's had this 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 condition you know that she uh Keep, continues to rip out her hair but like what is what does that say what does that what does that do for homelander does it is is homelander doing this as a power play to keep them all in place and telling telling them that they don't do anything is is it to get them to step up and by telling them you all suck in these very specific ways like what it what is the purpose of homelander in this moment and, and it's interesting because homelander is grieving in his own way he he did probably just kill the closest thing that would be his best friend right so in, in order he, he's like just taking it out on everybody else but everyone else is like damn bro you have to do this <laughs> you know what i'm saying and so it's, it's just really interesting man um and, and and it takes us again into a moment that is extremely of course uncomfortable for characters but for us too seeing ashley's hair like that we we knew this condition existed but that was like oh my goodness like this is this is the person you are homelander because you didn't have to do that to her and, and you did and yeah it's just it's just really fucked up to be honest um it, it but it is what it is well you know it's never good enough what they do as you said they do seek his approval so much these three in particular are looking for the adulation and approval from homelander more than anybody else on this series and it's never enough you know no matter what they do and homelander i would say at this point though his motivations behind why he chose this particular route aren't 100% clear, I think ultimately it more so signals that he is just more dangerous now than ever, mm -hmm. which they continue to just raise those stakes every season because now he really just doesn't give a fuck. Like the fact that right. he did take out the person who would be the closest to him in Black Noir just shows how far removed he is from having any sort of feelings mm -hmm. or mercy towards just other people. Like, and I think that this intimidation play against these three characters was to was to illustrate that, was to show them that look at the guy who you all knew was the closest to me. Look at look at how I just killed him. I just took him off the table. This can happen to any of you at any moment. So now mm -hmm. I'm going to rule with an iron fist It's truly going to be a dictatorship, even if the company is unwieldy and in a chaotic state at this at this current point in time. And it's it's really it's really a desperate situation, I think, for all three of these people, because now the fear is at the most intense it's ever been, especially for Ashley, because she is powerless. And so what what is that going to look like in terms of how they perpetuate that type of behavior onto other people? Mm. Because I think even Ashley, we've seen multiple times this season when Homelander scares her, she takes it out on other people, just yeah. like Homelander has done. So it's just mm -hmm. a vicious cycle of abuse towards other people. Ashley's done that to A-Train. She did it to Starlight. She's done yeah. it to other employees within Vault. 
I think those other guys are going to continue to do the same thing, which is really unfortunate because you even see somebody like A-Train, who's probably the furthest along amongst those three in terms mm-hmm. of at least being able to acknowledge, like, this is wrong. Now, he's not taking that extra step to do something about it, but you mm-hmm. can always see in those camera shots and the reactions on his face, like, this guy knows that this stuff is fucked up because yeah. he he's not great at keeping a poker face, but he still continues to make the choices that don't allow him to to break out from underneath this oppressive this oppressive force that is Homelander. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of A-Train, though, we do get a small moment with him and Nathan. As you said, Nathan is now paralyzed due to what Blue Hawk did to him a few weeks ago. And Nathan is basically disowning A-Train at this point. I think that Ooh. this is probably the worst possible outcome. It was a very emotional scene. A-Train tries to go to his home and make up for everything that's happened. He's very, very, you know, apologetic about it all and is willing to try to make it up in any way to Nathan. And he's just not hearing it, you know, and he he finds out that A-Train did murder Blue Hawk, you know, even though they've tried to cover it up and painted a soldier boy being responsible for the death of Blue Hawk and all those other soups. Nathan knows his brother. He knows mm-hmm. what happened. He knows that, that he went out for revenge. And, and Nathan, funnily enough, actually wanted Blue Hawk to suffer. He wanted him to stand trial and yeah. be persecuted or prosecuted, I should say, you know, for, for his crimes and his aggression towards those people. But, of course, it did not go down that way. Um, what do you think about that whole scene and just seeing Nathan be so angry and lashing out at, at um, A-Train? Yeah, man, it just it just made sense. One, his brother is super smart for putting that together. But like you said, he just knows A-Train. He knows the way his brother, I think, reacts and responds to things. And I understand Nathan not wanting to be somebody who kills somebody around his children and his family. And even him, you know, I think uh, uh, somebody who's now parallel, he had plenty of time to think about what he wants to happen to Blue Hawk. And, and this is the way, again, this is very much a... a this whole arc is very much reminiscent of what social justice is should feel like or shouldn't feel like you know what i mean and he wants when 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 a a cop kills a a black man or woman you know what i mean in cold blood a lot of people are like no nobody a lot of a lot of people don't want the death penalty they just want them to go to jail they want them to pay and be an example of the things that they've done you know what i mean and so nathan that's how nathan feels in 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 you know it's crazy that a train he's learning right now you know what that looks like what that social justice is supposed to look like and him being one angry but also ignorant he he just still didn't he didn't get that he's like he had to go straight for revenge instantly and that meant killing blue hawk and not understanding that the maybe the suffering and in making an example of blue hawk would have done more in the long run than just killing them um because as you can see a lot of people were probably loved blue hog you know even though Vox trying to you know what i'm saying Vox trying to trying to uh uh make his head big you know what i mean like blue hawk was the greatest rest in peace to him we did this we did that and now they even want a train to be like i have blue hawk's heart (laughs) and this and that i don't know it's just so much irony in this show man it's really crazy when you think about it but you can't you you can't blame nathan for anything on how he feels towards a train but it's all of a train's actions are starting to be met with very very cold repercussions being your brother doesn't want have to do any doesn't want anything to do with you you have the heart of the person you probably hate it the most homelander could kill you at any moment <laughs> you know what i'm saying like I don't, it's, it's just this dude is is literally in a jail of but but it's like of himself 
of of for the most part, right? The Homelander stuff is kind of not one hundred percent on him, but uh, he just created a lot of these things for himself, and it sucks for him a little bit. I have to feel bad for him a little bit because it's just a structure that he's been a part of that he never got the chance to learn these things. And now when he's finally learning it, it's like, ooh, it's too late, bro. It's a lot coming back down on you um, and you tearing up. But, man, it's it's just sad to see. And I think what's interest, interesting about A-Train is that a couple of episodes after Herogasm, when we thought that he may have died after killing Blue Hawk, it, it felt so final. It felt mm-hmm. like that that really could have been the conclusion of his story. Now that we have the full picture of what happened in season three, I think it's even more impactful that he has to deal with the consequences and the repercussions of that, mm-hmm. most notably from the guy that he loves the most and his brother. Like, he has to face his brother every single day. Well, not, probably not every single day anymore because Nathan doesn't want anything to do with him. But he has to live with the fact that Nathan is paralyzed. Of course, A-Train is not directly responsible for it, but he's almost indirectly responsible for it just because of the whole Blue Hawk situation escalating to to what it did. I mean, if, if A-Train had listened to Nathan maybe a little bit earlier and maybe taken a different approach and pushed back a little bit harder when Ashley made the suggestion about Blue Hawk going to Trent, New Jersey to speak to the people, like actually just stood up for something and voiced his opinion, things... Mm-hmm possibly could have gone differently and it's interesting when you have a character like a train who i think doesn't get a ton of stuff to do but the stuff that they do give him in terms of his story is always just like right on the money and so impactful because here's a guy who is completely clumsy when it comes to dealing with systemic racism and dealing with privilege and how that all is perpetuated you know against against black people he's very he's just very unaware or at least kind of aloof about it all he doesn't Mm -hmm. care as much as he probably should from this place of power that he has he could really make some good change and be influential and nathan has told him this but Mm -hmm. he just he constantly goes in a different direction for for many different reasons whether it's approval of homelander whether it's fear all these different things play a factor and so the fact that you have you know this guy dealing with this stuff and i think now he directly is impacted by all of these bad and terrible things that have happened towards his people now affecting him at home and he's losing the the trust and the love of the person that's supposed to be looking out for him more than anybody else. Yeah. What is that going to do to him in future seasons? Uh, you would have to imagine that's going to break him down even more so than he has been up until this point. So I think it's it's really impactful stuff in terms of what they're doing with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about Mother's Milk because he's had an incredible arc this season, I think. A lot of it has been breaking down and reckoning with his past and his his own trauma with his family and how Soldier Boy has been very instrumental in perpetuating that trauma against his entire family and throughout this history and how that's sort of rolled over into his current family structure with his daughter Janine. We do get a moment in this episode, which I'm so glad that we got, where he he really explains to her what this all is about. And he explains to her why he is the way that he is, what he's fighting for, and also the fact that like their entire family history has sort of been about this fight mm-hmm. against Vault, against Soups for just all the bad things that they've done and for why he believes wholeheartedly that they have to get rid of them. And I think that you have a very tender and touching moment between these two, a father and her daughter and his daughter. And I thought it was really just well played by Laz Alonzo. And I'm glad we got that moment too, just because it's important that she understands, you know, why he does the things that he does. And though we both, we both feel like, yeah, you, you had to, you had to smack up Todd real quick because Todd was talking crazy Mm. and out of pocket for taking your daughter to that rally you also have to like explain to Janine 
well, this is what it's about. And this is why it's so serious. Like your mm-hmm. grandfather died because of this stuff. Yeah. And now she's at the age to where I think she can understand that. So I just really love that they had that interaction between those two. It was definitely one of the nicest, you know, moments in the, in the episode for sure. Um, and, and in my mind, again, it continues to be the heart. I think of this season, man, just the fight that he's on feels so, uh, uh, I don't know, relatable, man. It feels, it feels like, I don't know. I just get it. He's like, Again, we're black men, so I'm always looking at what are the black characters doing? You know what I'm saying? Black Noir, A-Train, M.M. And M.M. just has this story that's like, man, the boy, he, he's trying to get, a, I think, a different kind of of uh, reparations in a way. You know what I'm saying? In, but in, in the sense of revenge and trying to stop these people from hurting anybody else. And so what's important, to, it's always been important to note that me, to me in this season that M.M. always felt Soldier Boy was the bigger threat than Homelander. Because Soldier Boy has done things to him specifically, like to him. And I think that that's a just an important thing to call out. But I love this scene so much because, you know, I always uh, or I think it's a quote somewhere, but I always say, you know, what you heal for yourself, you heal for your family line. And so it's finally uh, uh, he's finally explaining to her what this means for him. And I love and I love that because Frenchie is like, you're going to have to tell her at some point, like she needs to know what you're going through, bro. And he finally decides to tell her she's old enough to understand this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 I, and I love this part because there's I love how, you know, we, we all know he has the OCD because of what Soldier Boy did to him. And he's like tapping. He'd be tapping on steering wheels and moving stuff. And in this moment, he's tapping on the picture and Janine grabs his finger and it's like it's okay, Dad. Like it's all right. Like I got you. I'm here with you too. And I, it's just like the warmest thing in the goddamn world. She grabbed his finger because it's like, oh shoot, your daughter is, understands you. But he he always had this fear of telling her what he's been going through. And I think it it it, it it's there's some levity to it now that that she knows about what he's been going through for him. Um, and so I, yeah, man, it was just a very important scene. I think because it was. It's not only what MM is going through. Black people go through this, period. Like, it's a real thing that happens in real life. I've seen it, you know, before. And so I, I really love that scene a lot. Um, it was short, but I think it was very impactful and very meaningful. And also equally as important that he heard from her directly that she thinks he is her hero. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that he probably hadn't heard it put quite in that way before. And though he had done what he did to Tide last week and she witnessed it and she was horrified in that moment after he tells her everything that you know he kind of had been wanting to tell her i think she can understand and accept that and she still tells him like yeah you're my hero you know it doesn't matter what you did i understand and that doesn't change anything i still love you and i think that that's just that's just a beautiful thing and 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 again the way that that they both played it particularly in that scene was was really quite touching Mm -hmm. um want to talk about kimiko and frenchie for for a quick second here they didn't have a ton to do in this episode uh mostly kind of a physical presence but what I do think is interesting that we do see by the end of it all, these two in particular, when it comes to the boys, have been on the outs for, for a bit now. They've gone on a couple of separate side adventures. They've been very disapproving of Butcher and his tactics and how how aggressive he's been and how angry he's been and, com- and, and forceful he's been in terms of giving them orders and directions. And we've had lots of moments between these two where they've kind of contemplated their own existence within the boys and what they want their lives to be, whether it's together or separate. And they're also dealing with this new love that they're also experiencing with each other. Frenchie is obviously dealing with his addictions and his problems. We Mm -hmm. see that that is, that is certainly not past him and Kimiko addresses it, but Kimiko 
also after getting the V goes absolutely ape shit when it time when it comes <laughs> comes time for the fight. I mean, it's complete like Wolverine X twenty three shit. Yeah. She just mutilates a man's face. Um, but beyond that, though, you know, what do you think about just the fact that these two seem like they've come back to the boys and that they're willingly going to be a part of the team now? That being said, they're definitely going to be a little bit more. Uh, a little bit more forceful in how they push back towards Butcher. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to allow Butcher to just boss them around like he used to and just give them orders. They're going to have more of a say in how things operate in the future. Yeah, I love how the boys is in in just an ever-going organization in a way. They have been evolving just as Vault has been evolving. But a lot of times the boys, um, they in the middle of the season, they come out for the worst. But at the end of this season, they come out for the better. And a lot of that is the different storylines that we had and Frenchie and Kimiko have had a chance I think to learn a lot about themselves you know what I mean Kimiko has found a a new identity and her actually wanting powers versus her being experimented on Frenchie you know I I think he's become more confident even in the abilities that he that he's had and they've even become more of a force together it feel it doesn't feel like Frenchie and then Kimiko now feels like okay Frenchie and Kimiko now uh, more than it did before and, and and I love the confidence they have in themselves now but the boys again at the end of this season they feel so much more of of a of an even team because before it was it felt like Butcher and the boys you know more of a band thing was happening where there was where Butcher was the lead singer but now I love how they've evolved kind of by the end of this and now it does feel like it's you know, it's the boys. Every Everybody feels closer to an even playing field. Everybody brings something to the table. And now we have Annie here, too, who was another soup. And now the two soups in the in the team are both women. I don't know. It's just really cool things I think they're doing um, here with the team. But I love how they're also evolving as a unit, as a unit in the same way that, in some ways, Vault is devolving it and so you know or whatever you know you want to call it they're falling apart but I love I love how both things are going through evolutions and, and changes and so uh, I find the boys at the end of this to be I don't know to be really satisfying and I love how Kimiko now is has embraced you know before it was like oh man I just want to be able to sing I want to be able to dance now it's like I can't sing, but I'm but I'm a sing with my body. She's like I'm a I'm a dance and whoop these people's ass. I'm a maniac. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I love that because it feels like there's just so much more comfortability with her now because she has she's worked through a lot of those identity things. And so they again we come back to a, a more confident Frenchie and Kimiko, and really about the end of this a more confident and more well put together oil machine in the boys. I think. Yeah, I think that parallel you just drew between the two teams and how they're going in opposite directions is it's very interesting because both of them were dealing with their grievances and their and their growing pains throughout this season in terms of the boys and the seven. Now the seven is down four members. There's only three mm-hmm. actual soups on the seven. And I think that, you know, Butcher and the boys, they've like sought redemption and they and they've reconciled with each other, but the seven now exist under this like torturous dictatorship from Homelander. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on complete opposite sides. And so you're seeing how power looks and how the dynamics look on, on both sides of it, where earlier in the season, they were closer together than I think we've ever seen them before right. in terms of their leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, Butcher and Homelander have certainly been on a very, very similar path all throughout this season. Soldier Boy also as well by extension, but Butcher and Homelander in particular, they started off the season together. They had that interaction in the first episode and it was all about, you know, it's just going to be us two and it's going to be the last person standing. And I think when they had that moment, it was 
it was almost removing everybody else from the conflict when you really can't do that because other people's lives are at stake. Huey's life is at stake. Starlight, everybody, Frenchie, Kimiko, they all have a stake in this. And Butcher for a while became selfish mm -hmm. and very much was pursuing this on his own and doing whatever he felt he needed to do right. in order to accomplish his mission. But now he's come around and I think he saw in his decision that we, you know, that we saw in Huey how he sort of spared his life and, and made sure that he was safe. Um, and I think that that's, that's more reflective in how the boys organization looks by the end of this, as you said, versus where the seven is now. And Frenchie and Kimiko were a big part of that because they were, they were rallying against Butcher. They were the most vocal in terms of like, mm -hmm. yo man, we not going to take this shit no more. Right. Frenchie's like, <laughs> we want dental plans and insurance, bro. And vacation days, <laughs> like hook us up. You know, you just can't treat us any, any specific way you want to. So I just love that. And I think it all works and it, it's going to help with the team dynamics in the future, especially now with Starlight on the team. Now, these next four are very much linked together by this episode because there's a big, big action set piece, probably the biggest action set piece that this show has done. And that's Maeve, Butcher, Soldier Boy, and Homelander. I want to break them out down individually, but of course, there's going to be a lot of a lot of things that connect here because they all fight each other, essentially, in this episode. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a big, big royal rumble that happens. But Maeve, let's start with her because she's been absent for a good chunk of this season. She got kidnapped in like episode five. You know, so she's been away. We have seen her, of course. We had that moment last week between her and Homelander, but she escapes. She escapes custody of Vault. They're looking to transfer her because there was a search warrant out um, towards the company to find her. They try to transfer her. She escapes, and she makes her way to the boys, and she finds Butcher, and ultimately... They put the rest of the team into a into a safe and 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 basically Maeve and Butcher and Soldier Boy at that point in time, they're like, Yeah, we gotta kill Homelander. We gotta do this. This is this is the time to end it. And when they get to Vault Tower, Maeve and Homelander are actually the two that end up scrapping. It's those two, which I didn't quite see coming. Mm -hmm. It was all built so much around Soldier Boy versus Homelander or Butcher and Soldier Boy versus Homelander. And I, too, was wondering, well, what is this fight going to look like? I even thought Black Noir would be a part of it. Mm -hmm. But for Maeve to be such an impactful force in the fight, and also, just quite frankly, whoop Homelander's ass for a good <laughs> chunk of it, yeah. is kind of crazy. It's something that I could not have predicted that they would come around to. But I think it's great that we finally get to see her have a moment and to have some fucking retribution against this guy who's been so terrible, mm -hmm. who's wanted to keep her alive, to, to have her make his children... All these things really came to a head in in that in that central set piece that they had in the middle of this episode. Oh man, the Maeve stuff, man, is so 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 satisfying because um, as far as you know, our female I think protagonists go be, beyond Starlight, Maeve, Maeve, or behind Starlight, Maeve is the other one that you feel the most sympathy for to, for me personally because she had just been going through it with this guy, man. She has actually been in a prison for a very long time you know whereas there are the other members of the seven are constantly looking for homelander's approval maybe is like get me out of this shit right now like i don't like homelander i have a girlfriend i can't leave the seven i can't leave vault there is just so much constraint to me and finally, man, there that we get, a, like you said, a moment of retribution for Maeve to step up and whoop some Homelander ass. And I just love every bit of it, man, because she she has been going through so much. And I love again, there's like there's this parallel again between between the, the, the team that is the seven and the team that was payback. And so the same way that Crimson Countess was like, Soldier Boy, we hated you the whole time. Maeve is like this exact same like we're seeing 
this but in 2022 <laughs> of what payback was what payback was and so this is even it even feels like a little bit of retribution for what crimson couches had to go through a little bit at the same time and so man we finally get the moment and she is again whooping ass she stabs his ear and stuff i mean it, it's like i wish i just yeah this it, it was just really good it's probably my favorite side fight or not even side fight but but fight out of this ending um, out of this final episode, uh, just because again there were there was just so much meat behind it and so much history behind it in the seasons that we had seen. Shoot, episode one, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it was it was it was very satisfying to watch. And um, again, this is another character. It's like by the end, you're like, I'm proud of you, Maeve, because that's this is this is this is a a defining arc for you, and it felt very satisfying by the end of it for me. And it's crazy because she's never gotten the most screen time. I think in season one, at that particular point, she felt like she was going to be like the leading actress in the show. But mm-hmm. it's really turned out to be Annie in a lot of respects. But I think that Maeve and what she's done in this particular season, the fact that she was in the background for such a long time and now she's come to the forefront and she's able to get her retribution. It's just a beautiful way to play out the story because it is unsuspecting and they have that fight and they go at it. And she is kicking his ass. And I also love, too, that he tried to be dismissive of her. He tried to get away from that fight. Mm, he was trying mm-hmm. so hard to just be like, we're going to deal with this later. We got bigger fish to fry. And she wasn't having it. She's like, no, no, we're going to do this right now because I might not get another chance to kick your ass and, and try to even kill you because she did want to kill him. And I just love that. I thought it was great. We also see that she is depowered by the end of this. She loses her power because she sacrifices herself to save the rest of the people inside of Vault Tower. Soldier Boy is about to unleash that radioactive radioactive energy that's inside of him. She tackles him and they she throws herself along with Soldier Boy outside of the the, the tower and they end up falling and it presumably was going to lead to their death, but then there's a big explosion and I thought in that moment that Maeve was a goner for sure. Mm-hmm. Thought she was done for. They even had the broadcasts on the TV that Maeve that may have had perished and people were mourning her loss, but we see that she did end up surviving um, and that she's going to go away with Elena, her lover, and they're going to just like get out of New York City, go into hiding, live a different life. Yeah. And she's sort of like passed the torch over to Starlight. Do you do you think that do you think that um, that Maeve might end up coming back at some point in the future? And if so, do you think that she'll come back and ultimately get her powers back? Because we know that Compound V is just always sort of a test tube away. Anybody can can get shot up at any given moment. Do you think that this is actually like the way that they get Maeve out of the show or will she return at some point in the future? You know, this feels so definitive to me as much as, you know, we thought that, I don't know, anybody else kind of felt de- definitive in the moment, you know, when when we thought uh, uh, A-Train might be dead. I don't know, it felt, def- you know, you say you th- we thought it felt definitive. But this, she done went to another country with her, her her lover like you said her partner and so i don't know man i feel like at this point Maeve, in some ways has done all that she can do and the i do love that they do keep her alive because that is there's always that possibility and i feel like the only way they bring her back is depends on what the world looks like in a couple seasons what has homelander done to the world that may make Maeve come back has something happened where homelander's actions uh caused caused her her partner to die did he kill her you know what i mean it just i I feel like there's always ways for her to come back but right now i don't see it man i'm like let this girl live in peace 
Um, but it's the boys at the end of the day. And a lot of these people don't get to live in peace, man. And I'm afraid that that, that part of that will happen to Maeve. I don't think it'll happen soon. I don't think we'll see a lot of her, if any of her, in the next season. But I definitely think they could be keeping her in the back pocket for, for a season or so after that. We'll just have to see. I'm not sure yet. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Though I would love this happy ending for Maeve, for her and Elena to just go off and ride off into the sunset. The one defining factor of her existence is the fact that Ashley knows that she's still alive. Mm -hmm. And she has that video footage of of her being retrieved by the boys after she fell, fell out of the tower. So Ashley has that in her possession, which means it's really only earshot away from Homelander, possibly mm-hmm. finding that information out and seeking revenge or using that against her and, you know, sort of maybe maybe blackmailing her into a particular situation because she still technically has that footage of the airplane incident from season mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Now, like, let's say Homelander gets a hold of that and they've had this big public outcry and she, she seems like a martyr. She seems like she sacrificed herself to kill Soldier Boy, mm-hmm. who's been painted as this evil person. Well, that will go that will go against everything that, that's been said about her. And that would almost backfire if Homelander was to expose her or Ashley were to expose her. So I think I think she will be back. Uh, certainly not willingly. Yeah. They're going to pull her out of it, mm-hmm. uh, out of this this state of happiness. But I think that they'll, they'll they'll circle back to her. We should like pivot really quickly and talk about Starlight, though, too, because Starlight is really holding up that mantle as like the female lead of the show mm-hmm. and is now a member of the boys. You know, and she's been very instrumental this entire season, has gone against Vault on many occasions, in particular Homelander officially quit the seven a couple of episodes ago um and she had a great moment i think in this in this episode when they do have this fight against soldier boy and every everybody else that was involved where we see her power and how strong it can be Mm -hmm. if we really maximize all the elements around her because i've been wondering about starlight's power for a long time (laughs) now like well what can she actually do um and i think we got a glimpse of it in this episode that she she has an ability that that's pretty unique obviously and huey was there to aid in 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 displaying that power but we see that she she can harness you know the 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 light you know and everything that's around her and 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 really use that to 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 destroy somebody unfortunately soldier boy is just way too powerful he can't just be easily disposed of but Come across the wrong person and she can do some damage, I think. But I think it was like a nice moment to display her power and to have her just like sort of actually step up to the plate and be physical Mm -hmm. with somebody because she's smart and she typically can outsmart certain characters. But it's nice to also see her get physical, especially within this big fight. Yeah, it was a cool, very small arc completed there, right? From the beginning of the season. Huey's like, man, I you protect me so much. I want to be able to protect you. You know what I'm saying? Starlight's like, I'm the soup here. What are you talking about? Because I mean, Huey hates that she's always protecting him. She's the soup, and and he he hasn't let that breathe here. He takes the 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 V24 in order to feel like he can finally protect his girlfriend who's been protecting him the whole time. He's very much into this gender role. You know what I mean? Like I should be the protector, not you. And in here, we finally get that moment where Huey's like, okay. I will aid you in being able to protect yourself. You know what I mean? And I think that was a that was a, a, a cute but but important arc for Starlight and Huey's relationship too that was complete there that I enjoyed. The only, I just wish it was a little bit more. Like I wish Starlight like threw him against threw Soldier Boy against the wall or something. Like I was like, damn, we did all this amping up and you just threw him on the ground. Like I don't know. I just thought <laughs> like at least throw him through the wall or like throw him I don't know. It just felt like a 
I needed just a little bit more, I think, out of that moment. But it was still a great moment nonetheless, and I, and I appreciated that. Again, because that's that's another one of those good writing things. It's like a, that was so subtle, but it's something they've been talking about the entire season. And then it, it, it finally came to fruition, so I definitely appreciated it. Yeah, Huey looked so proud, too, watching from that sound. He, he did. There was so much approval on his face. He was so happy. And I'm just glad that he did not take the V. The thing is, is that he kept that vial, so mm-hmm. it's still there, that temporary V. So even though he seems like he's come around to this idea of being there and protecting her in a different type of way, he still kept that little bit of extra just for himself, which might come into play in the future, I would assume. Let's talk about Soldier Boy, of course, played by Jensen Ackles, who's been just phenomenal this season. Yeah. Jensen Ackles coming to the show has just... I mean, he's won the season, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Though Homelander is still the number one villain, I think, of course, by the end of this is what we see. Jensen Ackles, man, really stole the season and had so many just one-liners and things that he would say that would be just both funny and also depressingly dark at the same time. Because, like, dude, you're so you're so redactive of just, like, your thinking. You're so out of touch. You're so far behind the times. You say the most out-of-pocket shit, but... Before the fight, we actually do get a really important moment where we actually can look inside Soldier Boy on a bit of a deeper level, I think more so than we have before, because mm-hmm. he has such a tough exterior. He's so he's so hyper-masculine often right. that we don't really get to see him be emotional, but he's talking to Butcher before they go to Vault Tower about his father and their relationship, and he talks a lot about how he went to boarding school, and his dad would tell him that he was a disappointment, and how that hurt him more than any physical abuse ever could and it's it's so interesting because butcher was physically abused Mm -hmm. and that's what made him leave soldier boy on the opposite side was verbally abused and basically just berated by his father and so i think it just goes to show that this can look like all different types of things it doesn't just have to be somebody utilizing a belt to whip somebody like people can be verbally abusive too Mm -hmm. and soldier boy ultimately sought out vault because he thought that this would win the approval of his father but his dad ultimately told him, like, yeah, you just took a shortcut and a real man would not have cheated and gone gone this route. And I think that it's just so revealing, again, to how this particular character utilizes all of this backstory and all of this history and all of these learnings from his upbringing and how that's just manifested into this guy that is the worst in so many situations. He objectifies women. He says whatever he wants. He's offensive as hell. You know, he calls people by all sorts of, you know, socially insensitive remarks, like whatever you want to say, like this guy does it. But that's all really stemming from just his upbringing and his childhood, which we all we also learned a lot about that through Butcher and his upbringing yeah. and how that's also affected Homelander, the son of Soldier Boy. So it's all connected. And I, I just thought that the way Jensen Ackles, Ackles played this scene was was just telling ultimately just in terms of how this character has been uh, displayed throughout this entire season and how it, it's affected everybody else around him. Yeah, I don't even have too much to add to that, man. I think you broke that down very well, man. This dude, Soldier Boy, Jensen Ackles, man, what a what a rock star, I think, coming into this. One of the most impressive things, I think, uh, that's uh, also about this season is the ability to establish the immediate threat versus the long-term threat. You know, coming into the season, we asked – just like with with all the other boys fans and and, and and theorists out there is who's more dangerous soldier boy or homelander and i love how soldier boy felt like the most dangerous in the moment in this season it's like ooh by the end of it you're like soldier boy got to go he has to go first because he's so out of control and he has gone through that verbal abuse that caused him to um um again just be so problematic and he is from an older time that also causes him to be problematic and it's like no nah, he needs to go right now if is homelander a problem absolutely but this dude is a little more 
uh, uh, I think, unhinged into himself. And I think it, that's been represented by his random explosions. You know what I mean? He's explodes on accident every night. Homelander's never exploded anything on accident. He's that shit on purpose with intentionality. And that's terrible, too. But that's worse in the long run. And I love how the show was able to set that up between Soldier Boy and Homelander. That's like a very good, I don't know, just like, damn, good job. Because they did it with Stormfront, too. Stormfront was the immediate threat. Stormfront was like, oh, yeah, you got to go now. But we knew Homelander was like, mm, you got to go eventually. But this chick is really wilding right now. And they 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 did it successfully again here, I think, in this season, create, making Soldier Boy kind of that exact same threat. The difference is they put, a, they put Soldier Boy in the pocket. They're like, this dude is being experimented on. You know what I'm saying? I, and I love that, though, too, because it's like eventually he can come back and be a threat again. But I lo- I just love, I like the way this season, how they how they played him up. And then they did give give us a little bit more reason to understand why Soldier Boy is the way he is. He's not a, just a dick on, you know what I'm saying, On necessarily on purpose. The dude has trauma, like everybody else in this show has trauma. And so they finally got to that again in that moment. And I think it, it, it paid off in, in a really good way. Yeah, he was the immediate threat on a figurative level and then also on a literal level in that fight because he was the one that was willing to kill Ryan in that moment. And that's when you actually see a semi-alliance <laughs> develop between Homelander and Butcher, which is it's nuts. Wow. You couldn't have predicted that when they both use their laser beam vision out of their eyes to take out Soldier Boy. And I think they both realize in that moment, they look at each other. Mm-hmm. They have that weird like look at each other like... Yeah, no, we ain't on the same side, but this guy, like you said, he got to go. Like, we got to take care of him right now. And everybody ganged up on Soldier Boy in that fight. Like, it was it was everybody versus him. And it's crazy that he was still powerful enough to hold off everybody. Yeah. He was going to... He was going to tear that whole place up. For sure. All of Vault Tower would have come crumbling down if he was able to explode mm-hmm. like he was planning to do. And he still survived, which is crazy because he is so powerful and he's been able to withstand so much torture and experimentation. And by the end of this, we see that he's, you know, kind of put back on ice, you know, and he's back in the possession uh, of the government, at least for now. But I love the fact that they keep him in play. Mm-hmm. Soldier Boy, of course, will be back. You don't you don't just take him off the table. He's too good of a character. Yeah. Again, I think he stole the season. It wouldn't be a recap if I didn't at least pull out one thing he said, one out-of-pocket thing he said. That moment before he talks about his father when he's having the conversation with Butcher, mm-hmm. he's talking about the Soldier Boy story, the movie, and how they lost Best Picture to an American in Paris that year. <laughs> and then he comes out and says... At least I got to ass fuck Jane Wyman in the coat check. And oh I'm just like, yo, God. come on. You can't have any. <laughs> you can't have a, a serious moment ever where you crazy. just don't say some wild shit. <laughs> like, wild. like, what are you what are you doing? And Jane Wyman used to be the that was the ex-wife of Ronald Reagan, who, you know, also used to be an actor. And it's just like, yo, this reference is so it's so out of time and out of touch. But people <laughs> who know that stuff, they'll get it. Yeah. And the fact that you're you're ass fucking somebody in the coat check at the Oscars, like, boy. It's probably better that you're, you're that that you were taken away. For sure. It's like him in the '90s or the 2000s. Like I, I wouldn't even want to see what that looks like. Like At dude all. is just the worst. Mm-hmm. But I can't wait to see what they do with him in the future. Um, let's talk about Butcher, of course, who's on the other side of this coin in terms of fathers and their sons and how that's been displayed throughout this entire season. Butcher been in a very dark place up until this point. Also, very much doing a lot of questionable things, especially as it pertains to Huey. And what I think was important that they started this episode off with to just like, I think, allow us to breathe mm-hmm. so that we didn't have to like worry about this entire episode is that he did he did something so that Huey could ultimately be spared by the fact that this compound V 
this temp V, I should say, is killing them. You know, mm-hmm. they found that out in the last episode. Initially, he did not tell Huey, but then I think having a little bit of time to think about it, he he basically takes Huey out um, so that he doesn't go on this final mission, so that Huey doesn't take another vial of V, so that Annie could ultimately tell Huey, like, yeah, this stuff is killing y'all. You know, you shouldn't you shouldn't do this. So he did it in a, in a roundabout way. You know, he didn't tell him directly, but he mm-hmm. kind of did it in his own way. Like, I'll go take care of this myself. And you're gonna, you know, sort of deal with this, deal with this other stuff. But uh, Butcher Man, I think um, what's interesting to me about this season, especially with what happened in the fight and how Ryan became so influential in all of it, is I think more so than his treatment of the boys and some of the just things that we can really be critical about in terms of having a conscience and how he's maneuvered certain situations and scenarios throughout the season. Now that we have the full picture, man, I think his biggest failing of this whole story might be the fact that he was completely absent in Ryan's life, Mm. which is the one thing that Becca wanted him to do Mm -hmm. at the end of season Mm -hmm. two. She made him promise, take care of him, protect him, make sure he's okay. And at the beginning of the season, we saw that he was trying to establish a relationship with Ryan. He was trying to connect with him, but he couldn't really figure out how to do it. He was a little awkward with it and he knows Ryan's a soup and that makes him feel a certain type of way. And then he just completely kind of negates him this entire time. We don't see him interact with Ryan mm-hmm. at all. And I don't think he does. I don't think I don't think the intention is to say like, oh well it happened off screen. It's clear that he was occupied by this mission and that became his life and he was consumed by that. But because of that, Ryan has now leaned heavily towards being on Homelander's side, yeah. which of course we'll get to, towards that last shot of this of the season. But I think that that's probably his biggest failure mm-hmm. of all of this is the fact that he was just absent from this boy's life and that's going to have major consequences moving ahead in, in season four. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, you 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 get the again, you get the moment where he butcher realizes his method to destroy Homelander may not have been the best. As soon as Soldier Boy is like, fuck them kids. I'm about to kill this. You know, what I mean? I'm about to kill Ryan. And it, it, it's, it's just it, it's crazy because it's like finally in that moment. I know Ryan was like, oh, now you show up? Like, now is the moment that you want to show up? And I know even Butcher, to a certain extent, was like, damn, I might have gone about this the wrong way. Maybe befriending Soldier Boy was not the way to go um, here in this moment. And, and he, he's been neglectful in that way. I even think on one of the pedias, the boys' pedia or something, Ryan's last name is literally Butcher. It literally says Ryan Butcher. And it's like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, like, what is, what are you actually doing? You That's know, your son, bro. Your son. That's supposed to be your son now. Your son, like, his mother is gone. You were his mother's lover. You're supposed to be the one looking after him. But all he knows now is Aunt Grace. He sees you and he probably doesn't feel anything. He probably did for a while, but you've been, you've been so absorbed in yourself in, in, in completing this mission. That now he, he, you know, Ryan is 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 has sought his uh, attention elsewhere, and so Butcher Man has is the definition of of being consumed by something. The same way, really, all of our characters are. But that's why he it did feel like Butcher and the boys because he was the he's always been the most consumed. He's always been the one that that is willing to do anything to get the job done. And now that he knows that he's dying, I'm afraid that he he. He doesn't go in in the opposite direction. Okay, okay, let me slow down. He's gonna. I think he's going to go even harder than what we think. I think his methods will be different to make it look like maybe the he he's more um, in line with the rest of the boys. But I, I I a man who's dying, I think is a scary man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think he's like okay, 
it's time to go into overdrive. We thought he was in overdrive before. I am quite sure some he's about to come up with something to 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 you know figure all this out, but in the, in the most crazy um, and ridiculous way. And so it's it's been crazy to watch Butcher in this season because there were there were moments when. He, he's inside of his own mind and we're, we're relieving his past. You're like, okay, this might be a turning point for him, but now he's dying. So I don't think that turning point is the thing that we thought it was in that moment. I think I'm, 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 I'm definitely thinking it's about to be the opposite of that in a lot of ways. So he's definitely had a, a very interesting arc here, man. It's, it's, it's pretty sad to see though, too, um, at the same time, because again, he's such, he, he's been such a, not even, um, necessarily a role model, but he has kind of for for Huey looks up to Butcher. MM and Frenchie are here because Butcher, you know what I mean, is has has uh, dragged them along for his mission, but also for their mission, he has been that leader. And now I'm afraid that um, it, it's he's about to you know spiral into the ground, and it's crazy thing to watch. Yeah, I mean he's pushed all these people that that are supposed to trust him. He's pushed them away so much so this season. Huey being the the exemption because Huey's always sort of sought the approval of Butcher and kind of really finally got it this season. Mm-hmm. I think they they were closer than they've ever been before. But he's pushed everybody else away, especially MM, who was supposed to be his right hand man. And so now that he is dying, which is a very very important thing to keep note of, that they have not wrapped that up, and he now has a ticking time clock, only twelve to eighteen months to live at this point. What does that mean for him in terms of how he continues to treat the team and how he continues to, you know, sort of perpetuate any sort of behavior against them, you know, that he that he's, you know, sort of done so in the past? Because I think a lot of that hatred that he has for Supes has been it's it's been shaped by the relationship he has with his father. A lot of that stuff was influenced by how his father abused him and his younger brother, Lenny. And that that anger and that fury has just carried over into this fight, of course. And we saw how far he was willing to go, though he did pull back slightly at the end and he he sort of revealed his true hidden colors. You know, he's he's right on that line, you know, that that blurred line of being a hero versus being somebody that's not so heroic, Mm -hmm. you know, that's willing to to go to go further than you probably should go and do some questionable things. And I think everybody's still critical of him, too. I think the entire team is still looking at him with a cautious eye like Yeah, you know, you're you're not exactly the leader that you used to be, or at least that we thought you were. So now we all have to have equal say. This has to be an equal partnership and we have to check each other and have accountability because things got way too out of control this season. And now this this Tim V is 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 slowly but surely killing him, which we'll have to see what happens. I still I still attain that he's gonna probably have to take Tim V to survive unless something miraculous happens, which we know that they can possibly do something different than what's happened in the comics. They've certainly changed a lot of stuff before, but we'll have to see what that looks like. Um, and certainly, last but not least, we got to talk about Homelander, and by extension, we got to talk about Ryan as well, his son. We talked about him a little bit already, and how he killed Black Noir, and how he intimidated and embarrassed Ashley A Train in the deep. We now know that the information and the exchange and the deal that he made with Victoria Newman last week was to ultimately get to Ryan mm-hmm. to find out where he was at and to go get him, and just not only continue to try to establish a relationship with ryan and get closer with him because i think we can see that he does love him but also he uses ryan in a very weird way he kind of uses him as like an ace in the hole Mm because he knows that soldier boy and butcher are going to come for him and so 
in a last ditch effort, I think tries to connect with Soldier Boy and say, like, look, here's your grandson. Mm -hmm. Here's here's our family. This is us. This is our legacy. We could do this together. Yeah. And I know you mentioned that last week as a possibility. The fact that like we have three generations now of these soups. Two of them are just absolute shit. And Ryan is <laughs> slowly but surely turning into that, yeah. you know, at the at the behest of his father and what they're what, what they're doing to him. But I thought that that was a pretty low thing to do. Of course, I don't, I don't, I don't think that he intentionally tried to put Ryan in danger, right. which ultimately that's what happened. Right, right. But the fact that he, the fact that he, he wanted to trot Ryan out at that last moment to to try to win over Soldier Boy, and it didn't work. Um, what's interesting <laughs> is that Soldier Boy looked at him like, "Yeah, no, we're not gonna do this right now." And and Soldier Boy says verbatim, "You know, maybe if I had raised you, I could have made you better, and not some weak, sniveling pussy starving for attention." My God. Which cuts so fucking deep. Again, that's that that's that cycle of abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, he just like his father, he's saying the most hurtful shit possible to somebody. Yeah. And I know that that hurt Homelander, but immediately after that, like he grabs his face and they're at they're at it. Yeah. You know, I just thought that that whole interaction was interesting. That we get this one moment with these three generations of soups, and it just crumbles immediately, mm-hmm. like right before his very eyes. Yeah, man. It 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 where it's it's the opposite of what mm kind of has going on mm is like okay i'm gonna tell my daughter about this again what you heal for yourself you heal for your family line soldier boy has done none of that homelander has done none of that <laughs> there has been no healing and so there's there's ryan at the the youngness in in the middleness of it all who uh, is about to suffer from the, again the lack of healing in his family and so it's it makes sense that soldier boy would run from anything that screams family the same way that his father probably ran from anything that screams family to him. He had yet to be a father. And so when Homelander is like, let's have a family, he's like, nigga, what is that? Why are you this punk ass? You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you saying to me, young homie? Um, but it, 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 it creates, again, such an interesting conflict, I think, that's going on here, man. I think that, you know, Homelander, like you said, he didn't mean for Ryan to, to get into any danger but he, i think he's also excited by the idea after after knowing what what soldier boy is to homelander homelander's like man i i see that you were absent from my life i want to be president ryan's in in a lot of different ways and so it's it's just crazy to see really generations of disconnect in how that's happening there man it, it's 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 really wild especially the 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 parallels between Homelander and Ryan are also super interesting because um one, we also know Ryan was not born out of an experiment, like the same way that, that Homelander was, but he's very much a young soup who and doesn't have any like real parents. You know what I mean? Which is exactly what Homelander was going through. And I love like that the other subtlety where Homelander loves baseball, you know, and they're doing like <laughs> he was like he throws a baseball across the world and we open up to Ryan and Ryan's like also throwing a baseball to no father on the other side of the world. <laughs> and we're like, oh, OK, so this is what we're doing. The the baseball, we don't have any father, but very much in a superhero way. And so I, I imagine there'll be a scene in the future where like they're finally playing catch <laughs> with each other and playing baseball. I hope they make a call back to that because, you know, they did do the work to make that subtle, that subtle um, that choice there. But it's crazy, man. It's crazy to watch this uh, because Butcher had a Butcher had a chance for Ryan to not be like this. He had a chance and be because he's so consumed in himself. I'm afraid that he has destroyed the future more than he saved it while chasing 
the destruction of Homelander and not the love of Ryan. It's literally one of those like crazy big lessons of morality, I guess, where like love d- does more than hate does. You know what I mean? In, in, mm-hmm. in, in, in revenge. And so I think it's um, I think it's pretty cool uh, that, that they're doing that. So it's interesting stuff coming out of Homelander and Ryan for sure. Yeah, that that's right on the money, man. It's it's crazy. The 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 just the inadvertent attempts to to try to win over somebody's love and affection, the the almost the misguided nature of of what you think is right, right? You know, trying to do the right thing, what you perceive to be the right way to go about a certain situation and and also just negating the fact at how that might influence and impact somebody else because while he's been active on this fight, Butcher, who I'm talking about, while he's been active on this fight, again, he's been negating Ryan and Homelander and stepped in and filled in a role for Ryan that Butcher did not, mm-hmm. you know, in the season. And it's it's weird, too, because for Homelander to be such a dick and such a terrible individual, you know, a murderous person, to see him try to be a father is also crazy because mm-hmm. he never had that yeah. and he's always wanted a father. And we know that that's like the 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 approval and the and the really kind of the rock of his life that he always needed that he never that he never had present and soldier boys here now who's refusing to fill fill that role for him mm-hmm. but he's not gonna he's not gonna continue on with that same behavior for ryan like of course his influence on ryan is gonna be exactly what he is a murderous you know <laughs> individual who's just doing whatever he wants to do disregarding all society considering himself superior right. essentially a supremacist you know all of these things so he's teaching him the wrong lessons, absolutely. But the intention behind why he's doing it is, weirdly enough, coming out of a place of love, yeah, uh, out of a weird, place of wanting to, right. to fill in something that he never had. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's just like fascinating because again, it, it, is. it is playing with that morality of this entire situation. But the final scene that we get of this episode, Ooh. I think, is absolutely chilling. Ooh. I mean, it, it it talk about ending a season yeah. and leaving you wanting more. This is the way to do it. We see Homelander is at a rally. His supporters are there in full, screaming his name, cheering for him. And he flies down and they're chanting his name. And then he introduces them to Ryan. It's now just these two. You know, it's essentially Ryan and Homelander against the world, I guess. You know, Vaught is in shambles. The seven is essentially no more. There's at least only three of them now. Ashley is CEO. She's kind of at a very low point. Ryan gets introduced, but there is like one liberal protester at this rally who throws a bottle at Ryan and makes. The biggest mistake possible because Ooh. Homelander immediately fries this dude with his with his laser beam eyes, like just without any hesitation in front of the public. Like this is the first time, this is major, this is the first time Homelander has willingly killed somebody in front of regular civilians. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always done this stuff in secret behind closed doors to maintain his image. But more and more this season, we see that everything he did in episode three i believe Mm -hmm. when he just came out publicly and said i am better than everybody i am superior i shouldn't be treated the same as regular humans that really foreshadowed what happened here like he took it to the next level he killed somebody and he's met with thunderous applause we see todd right there who's just like yeah let's go (laughs) so todd is clearly the worst we knew he wasn't shit but now he's really not shit because he's like advocating for this for this violence and then ryan that last shot we see the smallest, oh my God. most subtle smirk come across his face. It's not a full smile. Yeah. It's just the right amount mm-hmm. of a smile to just show like, oh, I kind of rock with this. I kind of <laughs> like this right here. It's nuts. It's so crazy 
how they end with this season, but I think it's just like the perfect setup again for everything we might see in the future um, out of these two characters and what that all may mean for for the future of both Homelander and Ryan. Man, like you said, what a crazy scene to just set up things about the future. You know, we we always talk about um, in superhero media, everyone's like, okay, evil Superman. You know what I mean? Let's talk about that. But we never talk about evil Superman and him having a son who may also be evil with him. It's like a whole nother ball game, you know, at that point where it's like, okay, what's really happening here? And so I feel like going into next season at some point, they're going to come up with some personality for Ryan, right? Homelander and they could do some crazy shit and decide to call him Soldier Boy or something. You know what I, mean? I don't know what they're going to do. Like they're going to they're going to find a name for this kid and turn him into the the soup in the first uh, a really like childhood star, I think, of Homelander, like a son, like a real son in the a father son thing going on here. Um, and it's it's again, it's going to be kind of crazy to watch in real time as their evilness, you know, comes over the world. But also seeing Ryan be corrupted by the things that Soldier Boy or not Soldier Boy that Homelander is is crazy because he's so impressionable as a kid who he doesn't have his mom anymore. Now he finds his biological father. And remember, right? Ryan, we got to we need to remember this dude hated people. He had, he was at the biggest social anxiety we had ever seen. Like being around people scared the shit out of him. And he's grown to a point where it's like, mm, I think I'm past this now. And and that's a scary thing to see because it's like that seeing him be comfortable, see his father kill somebody, see the applause, and then have a smirk. Oh, my God. Homelander was not doing this as a child. We know that. He was not doing this. This is a whole nother ball game of setting up a psychopath into the world. Like, y'all thought Homelander was fucked up. We keep getting more and more fucked up. It's crazy. It's like the lineage is becoming more and more insane. And so I also, Ryan is not a character in the comics, so they can do whatever the fuck they want with Ryan. And I love that about <laughs> it, though. It's like, oh, my God. Like... Let's play with this idea. I just, I just really like it, man. Um, I, I think they're heading into some really cool, playful territory. Especially, we know the rhetoric that they've been playing with. How Homelander is is similar to a Donald Trump. What if Donald Trump had superpowers? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What if he could legit do whatever the hell he wanted to do? And so here we are, you know, in this moment with Homelander killing a per- a public execution, at that, you know, and 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 I'm so interested to see the next season because this has to be talked about. He can't just kill somebody in cold blood and nobody talk about it. Best believe Victoria Newman is about to be in somebody's press conference. Like, what the hell is going on? Like, nobody's seen this coming. And so it's it's a very interesting place to leave the season. Fuck Todd, who is a, a, <laughs> a terrible father or stepfather. It's a terrible person who was the first person to cheer. It's crazy. What crazy thing about Todd is when M.M. punched him, I'm like, okay, he might start to get this shit. You just got rocked, my guy. Hell no. He's the first person to start cheering after a public execution by a superhero. And it's scary now because the footage between Homelander and Maeve, what what will that mean now? What like if it comes to surface, will people be like, Well, I think he did the right thing? Like, what what are you saying? Like, he just let a bunch of people die. So, man, it's a lot on the table. And, and, and it's crazy. That scene is like what, like two minutes? And it set up like the entire season to me. I was like, "Oh yeah, this is some crazy shit." So well, well done with that ending, and well done again between this. What's going on between Homelander 
and the non-comic book Ryan, man. This is just like, it's really good territory, I think, to be in heading into a new season. It's all about escalation, man. The the stakes continue to get raised. And I think that this thunderous applause that we see from a relatively small audience, we, we have to remember, because this is drawing parallels to Trump, right? Mm-hmm. That that division amongst our country is much more significant and much more widespread yeah. than people probably think. Like if you're on the liberal side, like you have to you have to wonder and think, like, well, you know, there's there's just as many people who are considered more conservative too. Mm-hmm. Like Trump didn't get elected by just like a few million people. Like yeah. almost half the country voted for this guy. Right. Now we know he won based off of electoral votes, mm-hmm. blah, 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 all the technicalities behind it. But we're talking tens of millions of people. That's a lot of motherfuckers. Yeah. You know, so I think if they draw those parallels into the show, it's going to just illustrate again that there's quite a lot of people out there who are going to support this behavior. They're going to support the fact that Homelander is using force and domination and murder as a means of intimidating other groups of people and exerting his power. And folks are going to be fine with that because they think that he's he's a proper leader, you know, and I think now with Victoria Newman as the VP candidate, which is also going to be another big storyline because mm-hmm. she herself is a soup, right. an undercover soup at that. What does it look like from a political standpoint? I think we're going to really lean heavily into that next season, the politics mm-hmm. of it all, like how this actually becomes a thing because Homelander has been at rallies. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's been showing support for this particular party and this slate, this presidential slate. I mean, who's to say that at some point Homelander just doesn't make himself president? He's just like, you know what? I should be president. And he can do that now. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Right. And he can, he can do that now because there's going to be enough people that are like, you know what? That's fine. The guy <laughs> has superpowers. He's better than regular human beings. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that he has a greater vision for this country than any of us ever could. Mm-hmm. Right. There's going to be certain people that support that. And this is this is hyper reality, but it's all meant to be reflective on just the current state of politics exactly. in our country at this moment. Yep. You know, so it's not out of the realm of possibility. I think that they probably will go there. At some point in the future, whether it be next season or in the future as a whole. But as we wrap up here, man, just any last quick thoughts on the boys as a whole season three in its entirety before we move on and, and put a put a sort of a, a close to the season of the show? Yeah, man, not too much more to add than we've already said. But again, just super proud of the writers, man. I think it's important to note what a writer's room is supposed to look like, what the the understanding of of the the source material mixed with social commentary mixed with being in touch with the world i think it's just so important <laughs> and and it shows here man because it, it it's crazy how they're able to mix so many different things and for it to come out so comprehensive and so entertaining at the end of the day right like at the end of the day we're here watching a tv show to be entertained and have a good time and discuss it you know what i mean and, and i think they've done that so very well there's so many points in this tv show to talk about and again i'm just i'm just proud of what they were able to put together here, man. Looking forward to season four, and I think they'll they'll continue to honestly to rise um, in 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 escalate the ways in which we're excited about the show and we're looking forward to the show, man. So um, yeah, just want to give kudos to Eric Kripke and, and everybody else involved, man. It's just a really good job. I can't add much more than that. The only thing that I'll say to the point about Ryan and where we are in the show and how that'll impact the future of the series, I think it's a brilliant choice to make this the ending cliffhanger of season three when we also know that the spinoff show, Varsity, about college soups is on the way. Mm. It's going to be happening very soon here. I think it'll actually air in the interim between seasons three and four. So 
we're going to see how an entire younger generation of soups come to be and what that looks like and how that influences the entire structure and society of this world that they built out. And Mm. so they have such, such tremendous stuff here and such a bright future, I think, also for the boys in this entire universe that they've built out. So I absolutely can't wait for season four. It's going to be very, very interesting to see where they continue to take the series. But with that being said, those are our thoughts on season three, episode eight of The Boys and the entire series as a whole. If you check this episode out, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and transition and talk about the Emmy nominations, which just dropped right before the recording of this show. A lot of big things that have happened, a lot of new developments. Overall, HBO and HBO Max lead the field with 140 overall nominations, absolutely dominating as they typically always do. Uh-huh. HBO is really at the front of the pack each and every year. Netflix is right behind them with 105 nominations. Certainly wow. nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. In terms of series, the show with the most noms this year, Succession, I think, no surprise, no. 25 not overall nominations. Today. No, definitely not. <laughs> right behind that is also HBO's The White Lotus with 20 nominations. And then you have Ted Lasso Jeez. coming out of Apple TV Plus with 20 nominations also. Hacks and Only Murders in the Building both have 17 nominations. Euphoria walked away with 16 this year. And, of course, the phenomenon from Netflix Squid Game had 14 nominations. And, of course, there are certainly some people that we want to call out here, some big, big nominations. Zendaya has been nominated once again as Best Actress in a Drama Series for Euphoria. We know that she's already won that award. Here she is again for her incredible work in the season i think getting getting acknowledged and then really the shine um the shining light i think of this whole field abbott elementary and quinn brunson and what that team has done just being acknowledged here on all sides she's been nominated as as best actress in a comedy series a lot of the supporting cast has been acknowledged cheryl lee ralph Mm -hmm. tyler james williams just really incredible work there um we also have atlanta being acknowledged this year with donald glover um, Natasha Rothwell from the White Lotus, a lot of really incredible black talent being recognized in this field. I think overall, man, a really, really impressive showing for a lot of different shows. But what are your what are your general impressions about what we've seen here out of these out of these Emmy nominations? Honestly, I think this is one of the strongest years in terms of Emmy nominations. Like these are all really big TV shows to me. You know what I mean? And very TV shows we talked about on this show, if close to all of them, if not all of them. You know what I mean? And so. I think it's just just goes to show the kind of mini TV renaissance we've been in for the past couple years where I think a lot of people have been, I don't know, just stepping up their games in terms of the the, the kind of content they've been putting out. You know, there's moments where one or two shows dominate TV. You know what I mean? I'll never forget when like AMC was killing it. it was like Breaking Bad and then like The Walking Dead. And those are like going crazy. But now it's like everybody is really competing out here i mean these are really good shows that that really do deserve this recognition man so um i I think that's a that's crazy this year one thing i didn't expect though i will say is this white lotus love uh i I, you know we talked about it on this show and i like it but these emmys is crazy to me like i i don't know (laughs) man maybe i missed something like I, I, i thought it was a good show but i think there's a difference between good and emmy and, and and seeing that up there, I, I, maybe I'm a hater. Like I'm not trying to be a hater or anything. I was just really surprised to see how many it got. I agree with a lot of the acting nominations, but the complete show, you know what I mean, nominations, limited series, or you know what I mean. I was just really, really surprised to see some of those things. Um, I'm not surprised to see anything else up here though. Uh, but but man, uh, it's really crazy to see. We we keep saying, t- trying to tell people HBO has been at the forefront for so long, and the Emmys like proves us right every year and everyone's like netflix 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 which 
again, like you said, nothing to sneeze at. 105 nominations is insane. But HBO, again, continues to reign supreme. And it's no surprise, again, for us, for sure, especially coming from the succession bucket, <laughs> you know what I mean, that we love. And so, um, and shoot, Euphoria, too, um, has, has, has been killing it in terms of a lot of the things they've been doing. So uh, I'm also very, very proud of all the black nominees here. There was a, another post earlier that 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 said, um, if not all these nominees, but most of these people, this is their first Emmy nomination ever. A lot of the mm. black people on this list, and it's like, man, some people was like, "Are you sure?" Like Cheryl Lee Ralph, <laughs> are you hundred percent sure? It's crazy, this is our first right? time. She she's had a tremendously long career in TV, and getting her first nomination here. Tremendously long, but it, it's also crazy because she's a freaking just a legend in the industry. Period. This is a this is a, a a Broadway woman. You know what I mean? Like she has been here for a very long time and really killing it for a long time. But man, it's it, it just feels good to know that a lot of the TV shows, specifically the black TV shows and black actors that we choose to highlight on this show are also being highlighted by the Emmys. It's like, it's really interesting because it feels like in a lot of ways the Emmys is doing a, a lot better work than a lot of other award shows. You know, we a lot of times get on this and we're like, but where are the black people? And here we're finding like, oh, we, we talked about that on the show. We like this on the show. We've talked about this actor on the show and they're all like listed here. These are literally all things we talk about. Atlanta, Donald Glover, Issa Rae, Insecure, Kina Bresson, Abel. Like, these are very much shows that we love um, in our community and talk about. So I'm just happy to see that they're represented here. And I hope they uh, they get some dubs, man, at the end of the day. Because that the nomination means a lot, but a dub would mean a lot more in the grand scheme of things. So I'm, I'm excited to see um, who, who, who gets some wins here when the Emmys finally airs. Well, you know, TV is really where the best creators are in this day and age because Hollywood, in terms of the film industry, has shifted so much in terms of how movies are made and what movies play in theaters versus what goes to streaming. And I think that uh, the the type of medium that TV is really leans into the creative minds of writers mm -hmm. and showrunners and allowing for more creative control. So when you get people like Quinta Brunson or Issa Rae or even Zendaya, you know, yeah. who is a bona fide movie star, but she's a producer on a Euphoria, mm -hmm. you know, really leaning into that bag and becoming a behind the scenes figurehead. I think that that's why we're seeing so much of this happen right here, just because of the way the business is shaped out. You know, yeah. there's more opportunity that exists on TV because of this massive amount of streaming services. Like it's it's no way to watch all this stuff. There's a lot of stuff on here that I haven't seen that I'd love to see. Like right. you saw the White Lotus. I still haven't seen that. You know, Hacks is represented here. Yep. Only Murders in the Building. I keep hearing about that. So I want to watch it really, really soon. It just got renewed for season three, like right in the middle of season two. Mm -hmm. So it's happening really fast. Um, but yeah, this medium and, and how people are being acknowledged, it, it's exploding each and every year. Even a squid game, you know, this yeah. international phenomenon out of, out of Korea. I mean- 14 nominations like nobody Crazy. could have predicted that yeah. you know so they're they're really leading the charge for netflix and so i just love that these creators who were either making a name for themselves and and really kind of starting their legacies in the industry or in the case of like you know cheryl lee ralph who's been around for a long time are finally getting that recognition because abbott elementary is now considered the flagship comedy for abc and that's just an amazing thing um do gotta mention man succession i know we both love that show absolutely i think it probably is the best show on tv mm -hmm. i'm not i'm not surprised by this at all pretty much every actor on that show was nominated even sanaa lathan got a nomination mm -hmm. and i think she's also one of those other 
actors who this is her first Emmy ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she got nominated for, for for guest actor. I'm just so excited about this because this last season was fantastic. You know, we talked a little bit about it on this show and they're currently filming season four now. So I think they have so much momentum behind them at this point. And then I've also talked about Ted Lasso on this on this podcast as well. That continues to shine. They were nominated a ton last year, won a ton last year. And here they are again, currently working on the third and apparently final season, which is interesting because mm. they are talking about ending Ted Lasso wow. relatively soon here. And I think the creators have the idea of like getting out while it's good, mm-hmm. while it's so popular, like not overstaying the welcome. And that's a really interesting perspective to take on this stuff because yeah. you know you have you have certain stuff that, that that might go on for a really long time, but I think we're also seeing a lot of shows who are, you know, keeping things a little bit short. Um, I, I do want to just quickly best drama series talk about that for a second because this is kind of nuts. I think this category: Better Call Saul, Euphoria, Ozark, Severance, Squid Game, Stranger Things, Succession, and Yellow Jackets. Now, I <laughs> I I am just. <laughs> just really astounded at the quality here. Stacked, I've bro. watched, I've watched every single one of these shows, and I just when I think about the pure talent behind everything mm-hmm. is just really it, it kind of leaves me breathless because of how good all of these series are respectively. I'm also really glad to see Yellow Jackets here. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't expect it to get so much uh, so much recognition, but I'm so happy for them. Um, I mean, any any predictions on what what what? might come of this like who might win like i i want i want better call saw to win because it's been on for such a long time and it's yet to win i think a single emmy it's been nominated but yet to win a single one but that being said man the succession train is so momentous right now it's so heavy Mm -hmm. you know and they've won before but i'm almost thinking they're probably going to pick it up again because saul might get another bite at the apple next year since since part two just debuted on AMC. So I think technically they'll get another opportunity next year with these last set of episodes. But mm. any early predictions on who might walk away with it this year? Yeah, I think you might be onto something with the succession thing, man. My only other small prediction is that we talked about so much at the end of last year how Squid Game broke the world. And and part of me thinks that the Emmys could reward that. Because even, mm. even knowing season two is coming, again, we've acknowledged ourselves there's no way it'll ever be that big again. And so part of me is like, if they get one now and get out the way, I wouldn't be too surprised because we know these other shows are going to be around. Uh, Ozark won't be around, but you know what I mean? Like almost all these other shows are going to be around. Um, I have to say that I think because your point that Better Call Saul will also be around next year, I think it has a chance to 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 um, do that next year. And maybe they'll they'll put it to the side this year. But Succession is just so overwhelmingly crazy man it's just a crazy crazy show like everybody loves it like everybody (laughs) everybody loves that show acting is just so insane from all parties involved every single person who graces the camera (laughs) is like on a plus level acting man and it's just it's just crazy to watch and so i think i think uh again because a lot of those other shows will be around and they'll get a chance but also because secession is just so overwhelmingly like this is the show I'm leaning towards either Squid Game or Succession in terms of predictions for who wins best drama series. That's a good point about Squid Game. I mean, it was it was massive. It was the most watched 
anything of last year. Mm-hmm. It has to be, you know, with just how many accounts on Netflix watched it. I mean, literally every person that has a login <laughs> watched Squid Game. So that could be that could be a winner here. And because I think Secession did win last year, exactly. you know, in fact. So if they wanted to switch it up, mm-hmm. yeah, they could go that that Squid Game route. Um, also, just want to quickly acknowledge too, Chadwick Boseman getting a posthumous honor, crazy um, and getting getting recognized for his voiceover work in What If, which. In hindsight, thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, that makes so much sense. He was the best part of that series. Oh, you know, sure. what if was was, you know, peaks and valleys. It had some really good episodes. It had some very middling returns on certain episodes that we got. But I think we both love that Star Lord episode. Oh, yeah. And then we saw him appear again later in the season mm-hmm. in the in the finale. But Chadwick, man, I just any any opportunity we get to acknowledge that guy, of course, I want to take the opportunity to do so. I just love the fact that he Still, even in 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 his death and 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 losing him, he can still be recognized for 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 what he did, and it was it was actually a great performance. You know, he didn't mail it in like that was a a genuinely good performance from him, and one of the shining episodes that we got out of What If last year. Yeah, man, it is just always a good opportunity to 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 revisit such a um a, mo- a momentous person, you know, an important person, uh in in. Not only in again in in movies and and now here in TV with what if, um, but you know to life. Like the dude was he was really humble in all things that he did, and so seeing like you said that he didn't meld it in, and we did see we even got a that 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 posthumous uh, performance for him. And what if is crazy because not only it's like damn the Emmys watch animated shows, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like oh we're here doing this with for for Chadwick, but like I don't know, it just felt good. It's like multiple wins to me um because it's a freaking marvel show you know i don't know you like we don't we don't get that in the emmys often if, if at all and so it, it, it again it just feels good to to recognize that um and to remember the work that the dude put in he had one of the crazy work ethics that we've ever seen and and for them to recognize that i think is very uh very um you know, displaying for of the Emmys, like the people they are, the people again. They, they, these these nominations just feel good to me. Like when I was reading them, I was like, yeah, yeah, that feels good. Like, <laughs> and we don't get that again from from really any award shows. A lot of times, I'm always angry at something. But I was looking at all these, <laughs> I was like, man, this is a good slate for an award show. And 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 it it it, it even accented that here again with that uh with that uh, Bozeman uh, nomination. So I I really appreciate it. No, I, I totally agree, which which means that I certainly intend to watch when, when it airs. And the Emmys this year, the 74th Primetime Emmys, will be airing September 12th. And so we'll definitely be back here to talk about it once we know all the winners and know who walked away with these trophies and who actually does pick up these these respective w's and all these different categories but that being said let's go ahead and transition to the news of the week we got a bunch of trailers to talk about it was a big big trailer week over the past seven or so days first up we got a trailer from netflix for day shift the brand new film starring jamie fox dave franco's also in this and snoop dogg it's basically about some vampire hunters it looks like which is a action adventure uh you know sort of story where you have jamie fox he's he's a pool cleaner but it's it's basically a front for a union of vampire hunters that are seeking out these 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 creatures each and every night and so i gotta say it looks fun it looks like it'll be a good time snoop dogg was an unexpected surprise mm-hmm. i remember we saw a small preview of this trailer when they had the whole 2022 Netflix mm-hmm. movie preview that they came out earlier this year, but I think it looks fun. I'm, I'm kind of in on Jamie Foxx and whatever he puts out. I, I typically tend to watch it, even though this being a Netflix film, I'm a little bit mm-hmm. 
skeptical about the actual returns of it and whether or not it'll be a, a fun film or a good film, but certainly going to check it out simply for Jamie, if, if nothing else. Yeah, people know I'm a big Jamie Foxx fan, man. It is what it is. I'm going to watch it <laughs> if Jamie Foxx is in it. But also, people know I, like, I love vampires, too. So you're putting the two things together. I'm like, hmm, we'll see what happens here. And, you know, give us a little action. I hope, I like you said, it's, it is a Netflix thing happening here. I, I'm very surprised to see Snoop Dogg, too, which is a, is a good treat. But uh, all I can do is hope for the best, man, and, and hope that it's a, a entertaining and fun movie. So I'm still, I'm still looking forward to it, again, mainly because it's Jamie and Vampire. So give it to me. Let's do it. Absolutely. We also got a brand new trailer for a new film starring Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown called Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. <laughs> this is going to be coming out in theaters and on Peacock the same day, September 2nd, I believe. Now, this movie had its world premiere at this year's Sundance Film Festival back in January. I remember hearing about it and I saw the poster and I was like, wait a second. This looks like it's going to be funny. Yeah. I want to see this, especially with these two at the helm. Both actors I really, really enjoy, but it's a satire, a satirical comedy mm -hmm. about these two leaders of this Southern mega church, the Southern Baptist church, which we know is very reflective of real life. These big mega churches do exist, mm -hmm. and they've often been uh, criticized for some of their practices and how they actually conduct their business. But uh, what do you think about this trailer? So this is actually a somewhat of a remake of a short film that I have already seen um adama ebo who's the director and writer of this movie she actually i think this came out maybe two or three years ago she came out with the short of the same name hung for jesus save your soul and i think she might it actually might have been on Issa ray's uh youtube channel um who ray media i think and so that's actually when i first seen it and so i was looking at this trailer like why does this look so familiar i was like i feel like i've seen this before and i have because of that short film so if anybody has time go out it's only like 16 minutes it's a really short short uh, but i'm ex actually excited for the remake you know sometimes you're like oh remake but this is like no we get a bigger budget we get a bigger runtime we get crazy actors you know what i mean i, I i'm really excited to see this because like you said it looks hilarious the short is really funny but it also deals with as a satirical it deals with some real world stuff like i was like man especially as somebody who's grown up in the black church you know what i mean i was like ooh, this is this is crazy i can't wait to watch this and so um i think regina hall and sterling k brown are going to be a crazy duo on screen and i'm actually super super excited to watch this i i i was like there's, there's not a lot of uh, other black movies i think coming out this year we have like nope and a couple other black movies coming out this year but uh besides again like a nope i'm super excited for this one in terms of black movies um coming out soon yeah, I also just love the way it's shot. You know, I love how how the footage and in, in what they're filming is utilized. These these two actors, again, are, are both just like they're great. You know, mm -hmm. Regina Hall is pretty much great in everything she's in. Sterling K. Brown is on another stride right now, and it looks just really fun and really funny. You know, so I definitely can't wait to see it. That'll be coming out September 2nd on Peacock, and it also will be in theaters if you want to see it that way. Um, we also got a trailer for The Woman King, which is the brand new film starring Viola Davis. This is actually based on true events. It's about this all-female military regiment um, in the kingdom of Dahomey and how they are protecting their people um, and fighting enemies who are trying to conquer their land and, and colonize their land and so this is again based off of a true story it's going to be coming out september 16th uh it looks vicious mm -hmm. it looks raw it looks rough and violent it looks crazy um and viola davis also looks to be in incredible shape for this movie <laughs> like the woman she got she got the work together and made sure she was going to look good for this but i'm very excited about this too just because we don't see 
black women often just get to be violent and aggressive in this type Thanks. of manner, you know, and in, in terms of in terms of protecting people, in terms of being those 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 guardians of, of an entire generation of people. And so I just love what this looks like. And I love, you know, hopefully the type of story that they're tell that they'll tell in the film. So I can't wait to see it, man. They said, let's get nothing but dark skinned women warriors and go absolutely insane man i'm so very 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 excited to see this viola davis if she does one thing she's going to put the time in to to go 100 viola davis never half-asses anything viola davis only goes above and beyond and i think like you said she's got fit for this i'm excited to see her performance i mean john boyega's here lashana lynch uh it's just sheila a team who has been in a lot of stuff recently she's she's kind of growing here but I can't wait to watch this, man. I've I was watching the trailer like nothing like this exists that I've seen, um, and so I'm crazy excited to watch it. The only thing I'm, I'm afraid of is these. They just got to get these accents, man. These. It's the one thing <laughs> yeah. I'm afraid of. I'm like, ooh, I hope these accents are good. Um, but man, I'm super excited for it because again, the representation of nothing but dark skinned people in this movie is huge. We very rarely get this, if ever, and so I'm again super extra. Uh, excited to watch it. Shoot, I'm about to pull up in a freaking Shuri shirt, because uh, that's <laughs> what it feels like. Like this is like take a uh take the Dora Milaje out of the MCU and just throw him in history, and it's like bet <laughs> let's do that shit. It looks amazing, man. I'm really I'm I'm, I'm excited to watch this. Yeah, no doubt about it. This again, this will be out in theaters September 16th, so definitely look out for that. In our last trailer that we got, we got a new trailer from Amsterdam, a movie called Amsterdam that is going to be coming out this November. This is the brand new film from director David O. Russell, who is somebody I greatly admire. I think he's an incredible, incredible filmmaker. He's made some some stuff that I really enjoy. Uh, probably my Bangers. favorite film by him is The Fighter with uh with with Christian Bale ah, yeah. and, and Mark Wahlberg. That that's a that's a great movie. He's done Silver Linings Playbook. He's made Joy. I mean, he's he's had a lot of stuff come out over the years. And this film has a absolutely stacked cast. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington are at the front of it, but it's rounded out by a huge supporting cast. People like Zoe Saldana, Anya Taylor Joy, Chris Rock is in this, Ooh. Mike Myers is in this. I mean, just so many, so many crazy people. Uh, and David O. Russell, he's known for getting together these these really huge casts mm -hmm. and these really really talented ensemble pieces together, especially with like American Hustle. Mm -hmm. um, this is this this looks really fun. I think that this is uh, it's a story about friendship and these three people. Apparently, this is also based off of True events too um coming together and they're performing like different mysteries and things like that but i'm excited for this christian bale is going to be his second movie that comes out this year like we talked about in our thor episode he hasn't done a movie in like three years before thor mm -hmm. love and thunder so to get two from him in one year is actually quite a treat and margot robbie she she she's just working her ass off she's always just picking really really smart roles mm -hmm. i think she always has a great balance of doing super fun stuff and doing over the top stuff like she'll be harley quinn and She'll film Barbie right now, which is going to come out <laughs> next year. But she also has like this really like heavy dramatic stuff like this movie or even Bombshell. Yeah, they came out a couple of years ago. And then John David Washington, he's also he's taking an interesting approach, too, because he doesn't put out like three or four movies a year. That's true. I think he he takes his time and picks roles and he'll maybe have one, maybe two movies a year. And he's still sort of on the rise. But I think this is a smart choice for him, too. It looks it looks to be really good. Yeah, man, this this cast is insane. And like you said, David O. Russell, one of the things he's so underrated to me because he's so consistent. Like those movies we just talked about are insane to me. Like American Hustle's good. 
uh, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. What a movie! I'll never forget the first time I seen that movie. I was like, "Damn, this is good." And that's one of that's, good. that's one of his more isolated movies too. It's not a lot of characters, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, uh, man, looking looking at Amsterdam, man, I think we're we're in for a treat uh, again because he's so consistent. It feels it'll feel weird if it was bad. It's like, are you sure this was a bad movie? Um, and so I'm I'm excited to see it because again, all parties involved, Christian Bale. Man, like you coming back again, like you said, three years is a long time, and then you do two and one is, it's like he he has a I don't know he got his 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 feelings back together. He's like okay, time to go act again, time to time to step back out. And Margot Robbie, man, she is she has an agent on her. I need to figure out who her agent is, bro, because all the movies you just named, I Tanya, Once Upon a Time, and her, like it's like this girl is always on fire always she's always on fire she's great i love her man and she's so talented and i think she also gets uh, uh underrated a lot like we she's just somebody i think we don't talk about enough in, in in terms of the some of the best actresses in the world i think um in the things that she does and then he like said john david washington he's on the rise man but he he picks his movies very smart he does he does he's like black Klansmen and intended a very specific movies you know what i mean like he he's he I, I feel like he always challenges himself I feel like he does all the time. Um, and you can tell really between the differences in those two movies I just said. Black Klansmen and Tenet are nothing alike. <laughs> and and he's gonna he's gonna do his best to to show up, man. And so I'm excited to to really see this cast and to see another good David O. Russell movie, because again, he's 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 uh pretty consistent and so I think he'll follow up here. Absolutely. And in our last news item this week. Captain America 4 officially has a director in Julius Ona. He's just recently been attached to the film. We knew that this movie was coming. They announced it pretty much right after the, the airing of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier last year. Sam Wilson, of course, that character will be Captain America, so Anthony Mackie is returning. Um, and Malcolm Spellman, who wrote The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, is is working on the script. But Julius Ona um, has only done two other films, feature films, I believe. One being Cloverfield Paradox, Woo! which... I never saw, Don't. which was purposeful Don't. because I heard it Don't. was not worth seeing I'm... and I just didn't didn't waste my time. <laughs> um, so probably the less said about that, the better. But the one we should acknowledge is a movie that we have talked about that we both have seen, which is Loose, yeah. um, which I think is actually a really, really impressive film, a very solid, solid story that, that kept me guessing and certainly could not have predicted how that movie ended up going by the end of it. And it also had Octavia Spencer behind it, an incredible Incredible actress in her own right. Um, so he does at least have that on his resume. Because if it was just Cloverfield Paradox, I'd be wondering, like, well, what the hell's going on here? Why would y'all do this, Marvel? Um, we know that Kevin Feige and his crew, they love to choose up-and-coming filmmakers. They love to choose people who are not necessarily, like, massively popular when it comes to directing. They're not the superstars of their genre. They've done so occasionally. Of course, Sam Raimi just did Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But I think more often than not, they like to pluck people who've done, like, a couple of features, maybe worked in TV, and then give them the opportunity to work on a big-budget tentpole movie of this size and of this stature. So I think it's an interesting choice, yeah. but he is a black man, so I'm glad mm -hmm. that we got a black man directing a movie about a black Captain America. Thanks. And uh, like Chris Evans said, Sam Wilson is Captain America. Let's stop playing this wordsmithing game. I don't know why some of these reporters and these different trades, like Hollywood Report, I don't know why they went Weird. in a roundabout way to just like, oh, yeah, well, we don't know if he's going to be Captain America or if Chris, Chris Evans is kind of, like, just stop it. Like, we know what the direction is, so I'm just glad that we are getting some progression with this movie and it is moving forward. And hopefully, like, at Comic-Con, 
we get the official mm. official announcement. Like, mm-hmm. what's the date, bro? Like, when is this movie gonna come right. out? Because it's been it's been a while since the Falcon and the Winter Soldier was on the air. Yeah, man. Even Chris Evans was like, "What is this headline? No, that nigga's Captain America. <laughs> like, what are y'all? Like, stop <laughs> what are y'all talking about, man? These uh these 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 medians, these journalist medians are so weird, man. Of what they be talking about, but man, Julius Ona, um, I give him the benefit of the doubt for Cloverfield Paradox because he didn't write any of that and he helps right loose so i'll i'll just <laughs> i'll let that <laughs> breathe as it is because i have seen cloverfield paradox and i wish that i could get that time back in my life man <laughs> i actually if somebody asked me what that movie's about i couldn't tell you um which sucks because I didn't that like surprise debut on netflix after the super yeah, bowl bro. that year it was or like something? Clover, oh. and clover here comes cloverfield paradox and it's easy to be excited for that movie because cloverfield is good and 10 cloverfield lane is good so it's like yep I don't know. That shit was so weird. I, I have no idea what that movie's about, man. Even I don't watch the whole... Yeah, whatever. But Loose is amazing, like you said. We talked about it on the show. Um, and, and it shows his talent as a filmmaker, man. It's very well directed. Of course, very well acted, too. Um, but I think, you know, the... They, they usually see so much potential in a lot of these smaller filmmakers, the same way that we're seeing potential in Julius Ona from Loose is the same way that we've seen potential in Ryan Coogler for, you know, Fruitvale Station. You know what I'm saying? So I'm very excited to see what Julius Ona could bring to the table because um, he was born in Nigeria, in fact, um, which is cool. He's not just black. He's an African filmmaker. And so um, I think it, it, it brings a new uh, light and some new eyes, a new lens to the to to what's happening here in the MCU, so um, excited to watch it, man. I hope I hope he can bring it um, as much as Marvel thinks he can. So let's let's we'll see. Well said. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have for this episode of Two Black Nerds. Thank you again for tuning into another podcast. As usual, we will be back again tomorrow with our season one episode six review, the finale of Miss Marvel. That's right. We are going to conclude that series of reviews because we will be getting the finale very, very soon here. So we will be back tomorrow in your, in your podcast feeds to talk about Miss Marvel and how everything shakes out with that. If you have not, definitely go check out our review of Marvel Studios Thor Love and Thunder that is available now we just released that as well so it's been an action packed week and we got a bunch more coming from y'all this week but uh yeah definitely tune into the Miss Marvel stuff we're gonna take a break next week we will not be back because yeah we just need a little bit of time off we've been pumping out a lot of episodes lately so yeah we're just gonna take a little time to take a breather go catch up on some stuff go do some other things and then we'll be back in a couple of weeks but have a lot of stuff out here for y'all that you, that you can tune into again Thor Love and Thunder is available now and Miss Marvel is gonna be coming at you tomorrow so until then we'll see y'all next time yes 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 y'all with that being and said we're Audi 5000. Again, check out our Nerds of Thunder collection at twoblacknerds.com. Some good stuff in there. Go check it out. Buy some stuff. Buy your grandma something. Your mama something. Your daddy something. Your brother something. It's looking good in there. This is the year of 2022 Black Nerds. And remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. Over Two Black. Too nerdy. And we out, y'all. Peace. But you can wait until after Flawless, flawless, baby, what you call this? If the shit don't involve money, I'm off it. I can be your role model. Jimi Hendrix, before we end it. Uh, us against the globe. Don't let your attitude we got. Never stressing if you just lay low. I give you lessons, there's so much to know. Go full speed.